0: You're listening to Soul Work with San, and I'm so glad to have you here with me. Today's episode, it's a punch to the gut. Literally, that's what we're going to be talking about the stomach. Okay, okay, more specifically, fasting. We're talking what it is and why it's a crucial tool with growing a deeper relationship with God. So if you want to know why fasting is actually feasting, then come on in this here combo. You ready? Let's work. Know how we do. Good morning, good evening, and good night. (laughs) Fam, what is good with you and your soul? I'm hoping everybody's doing well. And if you find you're in a space where you're not, that is okay. We can trust that one day with Jesus, all will be well. I've been kind of hiding out the past couple weeks. Like, Rue and I caught a spring cold, so we're parenting congested, which Man, that made for a grueling few days. And following that, I took another week to kind of just step away from the noise and get quiet. Recently, I heard Tim Mackey, he's one of the co-founders of the Bible Project on YouTube, check it out, it's fantastic work, but he was talking about this very real ability to teach a truth, yet not embody it yourself, and man, if that is not the truth, I don't know what is, and so when I heard it, it's not that I haven't heard it before, but it, it just hit me different, because here's the thing about it. It's safe to say that like we all know of a person or a leader that has spoken passionately about righteous living and morality and holiness and all of the godly things. And yet we've seen them live out the entire opposite, either up close behind closed doors or reading yet another article about a moral failing of a leader. And so, no, this is not about to be a rant on the frustrations of leaders falling, because I think there's way too much outrage in that space, and sometimes it lacks empathy and even self-awareness. But here's what I am saying. We've got to take the initiative to lead ourselves, lest we become a castaway, to use Paul's language. And so I think it's important from time to time to step away and recharge and get quiet and get refueled again and then come back swinging. Like I remember years ago being a part of a culture that kind of celebrated this always on hustle hard, ever working ministry at all times. If you tired, so what? If you're in pain, take a Tylenol and keep it pushing. And yeah, I get it. It's a great flesh flex. Right. But there's no sustainability in that. Like you mess around, you look up and there's a whole league of zombie saints, folks who are burnt out and bitter and jaded because nobody ever said to them, hey, bro, go go take a week or the next three weeks off just to rest and recharge. It's not a sign of failure or weakness. It's wisdom. So for me, I'm still navigating what that looks like. But The thing that grabbed me is like, imagine me talking all season about Sabbath and solitude and all these spiritual practices and disciplines and not live them out in real life. Where? How? Who's doing that? But I was on my way there. So fam, nah, like I'm truly committed to longevity in this walk with Jesus. And that means wholeness in all areas, mind, body and soul. To me, that's the definition of living a life of integrity. So if that means a pause from time to time, I'll take that unapologetically. I'll do better with announcing it up front, though. But I'd encourage you to do the same for many of us millennial leaders the baton is being passed or tossed or reluctantly pulled, but that's another topic for another day. But the baton is being passed down to us. And one of the key components, I believe, to how well and how far we'll run, it's going to be how well we rest. Okay, that's my opening rant. And now it's time to get to the gritty because we are about to hop into this main topic. And here is where it gets real. (laughs) this is your first episode, I'd recommend you pop back down to episode one of this particular season, season three, to get a feel of what we're working on. Now, we're talking all about spiritual formation because I really wanted to explore what it looks like to live beyond the language and the gestures and churchiness of a typical Christian experience in America. And instead, I wanted us to really dive deep into what does it mean to really be formed by Jesus, by his life and his teachings? So what does it mean to be formed by the scriptures and not the preference of a person or organization? What does it look like if we decided to pattern our lives after the actual actions of Jesus and not the traditions of man? Because Jesus was the one who was known by his friends as being relaxed and loving. And as Pete Scazzaro writes, a non-anxious presence. Right. He was humble and completely at peace. So the question is, is it possible even in this era of booked and busy, hustle and hurry, flex and fintech to instead slow down and savor this one opportunity we have to live this life the way that we do? Is it even possible? Now, we discovered the answer to that is Yes, but it takes practice. It takes time and repeating of what Jesus did and operating from a space of grace and not judgment in the event that mistakes are made or we fumble, miss the ball in our practice. So we looked at his practices and other healthy practices like slowing down, practicing joy and community, keeping Sabbath, solitude, Bible reading and much more. But now we're closing out all of the disciplines of this season With fasting (laughs) So You may already hear the angst But we're going to get through this together So today we're going to discuss what fasting is Why we fast And how it can benefit you First Let's discuss fasting The basic definition of a fast Is a set period of time Where you voluntarily abstain from food And sometimes drink too Now, you may be familiar with the term fasting from a fitness perspective because intermittent fasting is currently one of the more popular practices lately. So if you Google or YouTube search it, you're going to find how fasting physically benefits the body in so, so many ways. And this is even more true from a spiritual position. So Scott McKnight, he's a a theologian, a writer. He has a book on fasting and he refers to fasting as body talk. It is a way of praying with your body. And I love that language. Uh, The late, great Dallas Willard, he has this book called Spirit of the Disciplines. Highly recommend it, but read it slowly. (laughs) It's excellent, but very dense. Uh, He explains fasting this way. He says, fasting will certainly prove humiliating to us as it reveals how how much our peace depends on the pleasures of eating. Mr. Willard, ouch. <laughs> I mean, but they don't call it comfort food for nothing, right? And yet, how is our need for comfort or satisfaction through food harming our souls? Isn't it interesting? I thought it was. I think it's interesting that the original sin, it had to do with food. Like Adam and Eve disobeyed God and committed sin against him by eating eating what they weren't supposed to. Now, the temptation wasn't the fruit. It was to redefine good and evil, which would make us God over our reality and not the true God. And let's also be clear, it's not just the food, right? Uh, My dad, he preached a sermon years ago where he would say, it's not the food, it's the appetite. And it's so true. It's the pleasure we get out of it. Because again, baby, they don't call it comfort food for nothing. Now, I'm gonna tell myself real quick, Because confession is good for the soul, (laughs) I think, I hope. From 2011 to 2018, my life pretty much consisted of carrying and nursing for babies, right? So the pregnancy cravings, they're real. But during that time, I went overboard and I had a wonderfully supportive and accommodating group of family and friends. So it was like, what's that song? What you want for breakfast? Uh, French toast, bacon and eggs, uh, put a little ketchup on the eggs because that was a craving. Cool. What, what about dinner or lunch? Uh, let me get some oxtail rice and peas, jerk chicken, rice and peas, oxtail gravy. Got you. Uh, I feel for something sweet. Let me get Snickers or a peanut M&Ms. Uh, son, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm having this baby I, I I gotta have this. Okay. Okay, son, we got you And so between the discomfort of nursing and contractions and midnight diaper changes and having to adjust from one to two And then from two to three and three for four There wasn't a whole lot of comfort not a whole lot of sleep And so I decided to grab comfort through what I ate Now, I applaud every mom who entered parenthood prepared and beaming with enthusiasm. That wasn't always my story. Now, to be clear, I was excited about my babies, but I also felt really overloaded. So much so that I would fall into this terrible habit where I'd end the night with something sweet almost every single night. Why? Because after a while, the days started to feel bitter to me. Right? Like you ever been in that point in your life where you go, hey, I didn't. Like, I I like this, but I didn't expect it to be like this, right? So food and sugar and spice became the void filler, the need meter. And since I was either pregnant or nursing, I had an instant, like, get out of jail free card, if you will, from partaking in the corporate fast that would happen throughout the year. So it's like, oh, top of the year, we supposed to fast. Oh, well, uh, I'm nursing. I can't. Or, oh, it's Easter, so we should fast for the week of, you know, Passion Week. Ah, can't do that, pregnant. Sorry, maybe next time. But what happened from that is an entitlement to foods that I wanted when I wanted them. It began to grow. And so even after the nursing season and all the babies are popped out and I finally did embrace this stay at home mom kind of life that I ran from for so long, I still found myself gravitating to foods that I loved, but they didn't love me back. And so I had literally, through those years, built a habit of personal indulgence. Yikes. So it was around this time last year that I heard on a podcast or I think I was reading it. I can't remember where or even who said it, unfortunately, but it's common. It's how you do anything. It's how you do everything. And fam, let me let me tell you, I tried to fight the truth of that statement as hard as I could, but it was a losing battle because it's true. So our character or lack thereof, our spiritual and emotional health or lack thereof, it's always going to be an inside job. And while fasting is a practice that may involve avoiding food going into the body, it is also an inside job of the mind and soul more than anything else. At least that's what I found. Because here's the thing about fasting. It is the refusal to give the flesh what it is screaming that it wants and needs to be satisfied in the moment. It's the literal ability to tell yourself to go have a seat and mean it for the rest of the day or a couple of days. Fasting is the tangible act of self-denial. See, the entire point of fasting, it lies in these two questions. Can you tell yourself no? No. And will you teach yourself how to suffer well? So what does Jesus say about fasting? Because that's what we've been doing all season, looking at the man. Here's a great question. All throughout the Gospels, we can see that not only did Jesus fast regularly, but he expected his followers to do the same. If you look at Matthew 6, he gives instruction on a few things. And this is where it's not if, but when you fast. Like he says, when you pray and when you give. Because here's the thing about Jesus, he's never going to dictate to us a life that he himself did not model. And it's through his fasting in the wilderness in Matthew 4 that Jesus finds victory in a space that Adam and Eve did not. See, where they indulged, he endured. Where they put their trust in themselves, he put his trust in his father and did not eat for 40 days and nights. And at the end of his fasting, Jesus was strongest spiritually and ready to contend with the devil. And spoiler alert, Matthew 4, he whipped him good. (laughs) So we can conclude that Jesus started his kingdom work through fasting and was edified spiritually because of it. So let's keep digging deeper. We talked about what fasting is, let's discuss what fasting is not. Real quick, fasting is not a tool or method or way of changing God's mind. Fasting is also not a strategy to get what you want from God. Like, you know, I've seen people growing up in the church, you see, where it's like you want something, you need something, you want uh, someone's affections about you to change, you want that man, you want this house, you go fast. Um, That can turn into like spiritual tantruming real quick, right? So in that regard, that's not a fast, that's a hunger strike. A fast is not meant to be used to manipulate or attempt to force God's hands to get what we want. Here's the other thing a fast is not. It is not evidence of a deeper, more righteous life than our fellow neighbor. Fasting is one of those practices that can easily slip into pious performance, right? Like it's easy to go from righteousness to self-righteousness, from devotion to self-absorption really quickly. So one of the most important questions when fasting We have to ask ourselves, where am I being led in this moment? And so if we find that on our fast, we're more irritable, we're biting towards people, snarky or miserable. sis, I'm going to need you to go grab a snack, (laughs) go eat, (laughs) try again another day because it's not serving anyone. It's not. So, San, we talked about what it is. We talked about what it's not. But why do we fast? Why? Why you want me to put down the Chick-fil-A breakfast? Why are we supposed to do away with our secret stash of sugar and get rid of the curry chicken and rice or the fries and burgers? Why are we supposed to, every once in a while, give up our daily grande? For what? Where's the benefit? Fam, I'm so you asking good questions today, fam. We're going to go through it real quick. Why do we fast? Here's number one. This is really an important one. We fast. As a response, not for a response from God. Now, while there are times where fasting is going to provide benefits and we are going to get a response, we may hear from God, we don't approach this practice to get from Him. And I have to be really careful to make this point. We don't fast in a transactional manner, we fast as a response to what God is already doing. Let's give an example. Again, if we look at Jesus in Matthew 3 and 4, we see he's being publicly affirmed by God the Father before he does any ministry. So it's After he's been baptized, but before he does ministry, that he's led by Holy Spirit to the wilderness where he what? He fasts. Why? He knows this is the beginning of the end, so to speak. And so instead of stuffing his emotions with food or using that time to feast, which is appropriate, he starves the flesh in preparation to hear God clearly so that he can accomplish all that's put before him. So in other words, he didn't fast to become the Messiah. He fasted because he already was. Now we see Paul and Barnabas do this as well in the book of Acts, I believe. I hope I'm remembering that, that it's in Acts. Anyway, it's in preparation for ministry work that's set before them. They fast because they know, hey, God is up to something. So same for you. Same for me. If you're sensing that God is laying a burden on your heart for a person, place or thing, or if you're struggling with something that's happening in the earth, that's breaking your heart. Like what's happening between Israel and Palestine. It is heartbreaking. If they're sensing that God is calling you into deeper relationship and communion with him, fasting is a great response to what he's doing in your life. It's unwise to use a fast as a gimme God kind of thing. We fast as a way of saying, I'm going to turn my plate down. I'm going to starve this flesh as a way of growing closer to you, as a way of aligning myself with the fact that there's something that's happening. There's, there's a breakthrough that's on the way. Um, you're doing something in my life. And because of that, I want to make sure that I'm denying that flesh. I think that makes sense. Uh, I want to say this too about fasting. It's not to be used as a lever to go from good to great, right? Like sometimes we can use fasting. We can almost weaponize it like, oh, I'm about to preach. So I'm going to be really nice. or I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm about to do something important. So I've got to fast. It's not that it's necessarily wrong. It's just not wise to try and say fasting will make me great. This type of thinking, it leads to a work-based worldview, which is what the Pharisees loved, but Jesus never affirmed that because we live from a space of grace, not of works. Here's number two. Why do we fast? We fast as a way to turn from sin. In the Old Testament, there are instances where a fast is called to commemorate the grief of what happens when we, especially collectively, when we sin against God. So fasting pulls our sloppy decision-making back in alignment with God and it heightens our affections towards him. So we can render to him our hearts and not our garments to say it like how the scriptures does. The regular practice of self-denial, it is evidence of the perfecting or maturing work of the gospel in our lives. So if you found yourself in a backslidden state, Or if you've fallen into a pattern of sinful thinking or living, going on a fast is a practice that may help you bring your flesh back under control. Why? Because it's a practice that helps teach self-control and dependence on God. Think about it. We sin because we think whatever we're doing will bring us joy or fill a need that we don't believe God can fill in the moment. But fasting, it strengthens our inner resolve that we don't need an idol to give or do for us what only God can do. Number three, why do we fast? People fast as a form of grieving the loss of a loved one. We see that in scripture. The pains of the absence of food in the body is to correlate with the absence of a loved one that's happening in the soul. So in scripture, we've seen people fast as a response to the death of a family member or a friend. It's a way of having the body align itself with the grief of the mind and soul. So those were three reasons why we fast. I want to give a a fun fact as I'm wrapping up today's episode. Again, according to Dallas Willard, he has a section on fasting and it's beautiful. It's pretty short, but it's worth reading. And he says this, that fasting is feasting. He goes further to say, fasting confirms our utter dependence on God by finding in him a source of sustenance beyond food. Fasting unto our Lord is therefore feasting, feasting on him and doing his will. Perhaps this is why Jesus is quoted as saying, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Fasting is one of the most impactful training methods on the body, mind, and soul. It teaches us to make our bellies our servant and not the other way around. Now, fam, this flesh is tricky. Don't play. The minute it's time to fast, all of a sudden your favorite restaurant is running a special. Your favorite friend wants to go out to lunch and somebody got a trick, a a tray of Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. Like this is how fasting feels because the minute you tell your flesh, no, everything on the inside begins to scream. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) Like we don't have to look far to see human nature at work, right? Tell yourself no to a desire and watch that inner reaction. Dallas Willard also says this thing, and it made me squirm. So I got to share it with y'all. He said, in fasting, we learn how to suffer happily as we feast on God. And fam, this is a crucial lesson because in our lives, we're going to suffer, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're, it doesn't matter, like suffering is relative. So it's going to happen to every single one of us. It's a guarantee like taxes, So what fasting does is it teaches us how to deny ourselves and live a life that's deprived of wants from time to time. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't go after what we want or we shouldn't have some of the things we want. What I am saying is we've got to watch again how we train ourselves. If we continue to train ourselves to always be accommodated for When it is time to be deprived of some of those wants, or when it's time to deal with disappointments, because that's what happens in life, we won't be able to actually manage that. We won't have the resilience needed to live well. Fasting is a great trainer on how to suffer well. And all I got to say is in times like these, a little starving, it can't hurt anybody. So I'm going to end it here. The longer I live, the more I realize that try as we might, we all have things, pains, griefs, and idols that seek to take our attention off the lover of our souls, who is Jesus, and try and find that love through another medium. Like this is the literal effect of sin in the world and sin in our lives. Now I know, I get it, especially in current culture, it's really cute and cuddly to say, You're perfect, there's nothing wrong with you, because thanks to culture and pop psychology. And other eras, we've been conditioned to see truth as variant. But come real close and get this sword real quick, okay? There is something wrong. This world is broken and we're not qualified to fix it. And that's good news. Now, hear me healthily. I am not saying that we don't have a responsibility in our soul's repair. We can't get tricky now. Go to the therapist, write in that journal, say that you're sorry, do all the things you need to do. But what I am saying is we need a savior and that's okay. The crazy thing about this world is sometimes its aim is to always have us on the hunt or chase for the new and the next and the trending, but the real rest, joy, and peace that we need, it's found in the ancient wisdom of old. And so we can be anchored in this. Jesus Christ, he's the same today, yesterday, forevermore. And he came to reconcile us back to God and he's coming back. So in the meantime, he sent his spirit to guide us into all truth while he's seated at the right hand of God, still praying for us. That's the kind of love that's available to us the moment we lay down every idol and false imagination that promises us a lie that there's greater joy or happiness beyond that truth. So. Whether it's food or money or fame or sex or influence or approval, attention, acceptance, power, whatever the thing is, whatever your secret thing is that pulls your attention from time to time, remember this truth and remember this love and know that this truth and love will outlast every other fake hope in this life. So on that note, fam, I'm signing off this episode was a little heavy, but it's needed. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love to know what you think about fasting and self-denial and does it have a space in current culture? Hello at soulworkwithson.com is the email. Hello at soulworkwithsan.com. If you're a friend of the show or you found any value in the episodes, I'd really appreciate if you leave a rating and review because it helps us spread the show. I'm really grateful for you. Now, remember, fam, you're only going to hear one of two statements on that fateful day. Well done or depart from me. Let's live accordingly. Love you. Talk soon.